Hey everybody, welcome to the Crohn's Fitness Food Podcast, dedicated to raising awareness, sharing IBD stories, and offering support for those with Crohn's and colitis. Together, we can share knowledge, experiences, and help show the world the many faces of IBD. Well, hi everyone. Thank you for joining me today for another episode of the Crohn's Fitness Food Podcast. I'm your host, Stephanie Gish, Crohn's warrior since 2006 and lifelong fitness fanatic. My guest today is Aris Toker, who's diagnosed with Crohn's disease in 2008. He's here to share his story from worsening symptoms and surgery to seeking the help of a naturopathic doctor to take back control of his health. Thank you so much for joining me today, Aris, and welcome to the show. Thank you, Stephanie. I'm, I'm privileged to be here. I'm, I'm excited uh, to talk about things and hopefully help other people that are going through this journey and help them uh, throughout some, with some of the things that we can share together here. Thank you for inviting me. I appreciate you, I appreciate you taking the time and I'm excited to, to have you here. So why don't we go ahead and we'll just jump right into the interview. And why don't you start by sharing your Crohn's story and a little bit about how you were diagnosed. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, uh, the diagnosis started in 2008. To give you guys a little bit of context, uh, you know, just the one, it, I was in New York City this is right around the financial crisis. I was in Wall Street actually working in that crazy lifestyle, putting probably 70 to 80 hours. My, uh, and also my kind of background, I'm an immigrant to this country. I, like I, uh, I was in this situation that I had a work visa that was unstable, even though I'm, I'm obviously, uh, I was legal. But then, you know, if you lose your job, you may have to go back to your country. All that stress coupled with, you know, being in the financial crisis, our company was uh, in the brinks of being bankrupt. And then all that stress, I think, was uh, the main reason why that environment actually uh, created incredible, incredible amount of stress that um, led to the, the initial diagnosis of Crohn's, which it wasn't coincidence that like, uh, I think that uh, winter of 2008, a few months after I moved there, mm-hmm. I was diagnosed. But the precursor to that, uh, later on, I kind of, piece the puzzle uh, together where I basically, uh, I've taken a lot of antibiotics. And uh, mm-hmm. when I was a teenager, I was taking this uh, medication called Accutane for acne. Uh, and it's, it's, I did not know that it was an antibiotic. It was, you know, heavy one anyways. And then I was, uh, at the time, I thought I was lucky I had access to get that medication in a kind of a um, high dosage way uh and i was taking it for six months and obviously it it felt good at the time i cleared my skin but little did i know uh at the time that i was messing around with my microbiome by by taking these antibiotics but that's the precursor Mm -hmm. it didn't happen right then i was probably 18 years old when that happened but fast forward about probably six years uh from that point on and then just i was able to like when in a stressful environment uh it really triggered the initial gut inflammation um, and then, you know, the, uh, all the symptoms that pretty much any Crohn's disease people will feel, I start feeling them. Uh, and the, yeah, the whole journey started then. And uh, what's interesting is about the story. Uh, it, it's, you know, I, I follow the Western medicine and I, I actually, you know, believe in it still at one point uh, that, you know, I, I do believe that medication, there's a purpose for it. And I think it helps a lot of people especially uh, for people that have severe diseases, 
or symptoms. And then I had, um, even though it started mild, I, I had a really severe case of Crohn's. Um, so then it progressively got worse and worse. And, and my hope was that uh, medication was going to be the result, but it, it didn't. My, my body was creating uh, antibodies against these drugs uh, as, as high as, you know, humerus and the ramicades of the world. And when I hit mm -hmm. those and you literally like we did the impact wasn't that. Did they, did they start you on biologics immediately after that initial diagnosis? Is that when you we, first started? We started very uh, slow, actually. Uh, before we got to the biologics, we tried um, steroids. Uh, we, we tried the, um, the uh, you know, other, other non-steroidal um, aids that we, we, we wanted, mm -hmm. to, wanted to get in. But none of them, even though immediately it, it helped me, to be honest, Stephanie, but then uh, within like a week or so, start seeing the symptoms again um, and then the doctor then will up the uh, either dosage or change it uh, to different uh, different things and at the end probably after a year uh, of going through uh, these other medications we started the the first Remicade round in, mm -hmm. in, in New York City um, and then this whole journey um, you know I want to it's it's been it's been interesting because I Throughout, uh, and I had, I had an opportunity to move back to San Francisco with my company. Thankfully, I was able to do that, to be close to my family. A lot of my family is in San Francisco, where I reside now. But uh, that being in somewhat of a comfort zone, I was hoping that I could you know, heal the gut. But um, actually, the symptoms eventually got worse to the levels that mm -hmm. I my body created a fistula through the... Um, colon to the my my sacrum mm -hmm. area in the lower back so uh what that meant was is this is 2014 now uh and and i was kind of getting by and doing the medications and I, you know even though it wasn't working i was like okay i can kind of manage this as much as i can but uh, after that incident where literally the, the the back pain that i was feeling where i couldn't basically stand more than 10 minutes i had to sit down it was just like a really excruciating pain then we had to f figure out another option and that's when uh, the doctors um since it was leading to be an infection it was getting really uh dangerous they decided uh they they recommend that i should have a surgery uh that surgery was basically um uh for me to like they get in there and and, and try to get rid of that area that is connected to the fistula. Fistula is this little uh, piece, by the way, for the people that are not aware what what that is. Uh, your body creates this little connection between uh, uh, between the colon and the, the area that it connects to. In that case, it was connecting to a bone, and it was making the bone getting infected. And that's what they had to operate. It was not, you know, medication was not going to solve that problem. And we gave the green lights. I had to go through surgery. Uh, and then what that meant was they basically uh, rerouted my digestive tract from the, the colon side and uh, kind of let that area um, relax and heal itself, where I, at, at the same time, I had to basically live with an um, ostomy back. So I had to have mm -hmm. a um, colostomy surgery. Uh, and that's the time, to be honest, um, you know, I would say probably the, the rock bottom because it, at the time, I thought the way things kind of uh, progressed, 
it, it was not healing. And at, even with the colostomy bag, I was feeling inflammation. The markers did not go down. Just for the for the um, people that care about numbers and inflammation markers, I'm happy to share those. Like, uh, I, I there's two markers that a lot of the GI doctors looked at for me. One is the um, the SED rate. The other one is the CRP rate. And CRP um, is a certain protein, basically that uh, they can they can find out in the blood. And then if it's elevated, obviously those are uh, those are markers of inflammation. For me. Uh, so for me, it was, I think, uh, an average person, a normal person's uh, CRP rate will be less than a one milligram. Uh, and for me, it was about 10 or 11. So it was 10x more. And the SAD rate, which is basically um, the number of uh, red blood cells in, they put in a tube, your red blood cells, and they look at in an hour how quickly they go down in the tube. So they measure that milli, uh, I think it's a millimeter. And again, the, the regular range will be less than 15 millimeters per hour. So that's the amount. And then mm-hmm. I was hitting around 65, 70. So yeah, I'm trying to convey how severe it was. And they had yeah. to kind of, yeah. uh, they had to kind of figure out, okay, what else can we do? Side, like, clearly, uh, Remicade is not working. Humor is not working. And then they give me this, uh, they they offered, uh, this is like the third GI doctor now. I was kind of changing, trying to figure out, if, you know, if I could uh, establish different relationships. And mm-hmm. and this other doctor was basically saying that um, they, there was this a new drug called Sabri and that may help things. And, uh, but the only thing was, uh, I was reading the side effects. It had one, one in thousand chance of brain tumor. And that, that was the kind of uh, a tough one to swallow. And it was end of the year. I was like, okay, maybe this is the time I draw the line in the sand and say, uh, hold off for this medication for now. And I'm not, I'm not the person will say, you know, I'm, I'm anti-medication. I'm not that guy. But for me, it wasn't working. And I had to figure out another way. And I think that all the signs were kind of pointing in that way that, okay, there has to be other way to heal this. I didn't want to accept to live with the colostomy bag and and um, and not believe that the, I cannot reduce the inflammation. And so, what what happened since then? Because it sounds like it was about six years that you were struggling with medications, and then the surgery, and then you reached this point. So, what kind of avenue and path did you go down to start researching where you're at now? Because you you took in you're medication free now. And so you went down this big path. Tell me a little bit about that process and, and how that all evolved. It was, uh, it was an interesting and uh, eye opening and life changing is I would use uh, kind of an experience for me. And from, uh, from just researching about uh, kind of looking at things more holistically and understanding what's happening in the body. And it piqued my interest to to find out, not just looking at the symptoms, but let's get to the root cause of things. And that research uh, led me to kind of seek out naturopathic integrative medicine doctors. And 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 uh, in San Francisco, I was fortunate enough to find one that is uh, specialized in gut health. And I um, I came across uh, this doctor, and she was incredible. Actually, she uh, we had this amazing session where we uh, talked about all kinds of things, not just diet, not just 
uh, exercise, but like, you know, what I've been taking and what, how I've been feeling too. And we looked at the stress levels a lot. Uh, so from that initial uh, intake, she was able to um, put me in a regimen for about six months, Stephanie. I think what was interesting is what we, uh, she explained it to me, how it actually will, like your, your stress levels is going to be huge trigger to the Crohn's disease because it's going to um, make it more uh, intense and just having an amazing diet, cleanest diet is not going to be enough. And then, you know, movement exercise is going to be big and mindfulness. Like she asked me uh, if I would be open to do, uh, often open to do uh, journaling, you know, gratitude exercises and all these things that I've never even thought about. And, and I followed through because I didn't have anything else. And I was again, living with a colostomy bag and, and I'm, I'm at this point, I'm refusing to live, but I don't know what, what's going to uh, help me. Now, as we went through this journey with her for six months, this is now beginning of 2015. Uh, and what happened is uh, I didn't necessarily start feeling better, but I'm, I'm a kind of a numbers person. I want to see what's happening. And I was able to look at these two markers that I just talked about earlier, SED rate and, and CRP. They start to go down. They start to go down slowly. And and year th- uh, sorry the month three or four came down to the levels like uh, pretty close to the normal range and it was quite uh, you know inspiring but I started also feeling better in the month probably three uh, you know beginning of four mm-hmm. I was being patient I was like okay I'm gonna follow what you said see how it works now um, I'm happy to go into details perhaps maybe if if you want to talk about later too what what that meant specifically what what I did but. In that journey, um, it what, with that six months, it was uh, like I was basically back to normal ranges. Uh, now, what that also meant is, uh, okay, can I now go back to my colorectal surgeon who, who did an operation on me? Can he put me back together? Right, that's the question. And then they told me that they said, if you if you have an opportunity to reduce the inflammation, there has to be no inflammation in the body for them to operate uh, and then put me back together. So then did another um, colostomy and then blood markers, and they were actually surprised about the no inflammation in the system. And uh, yeah, long story short, back to uh, reversal surgery uh, in 2016, and then I'm basically back together. Uh, That's fantastic. And yeah, it was, it was, um, it was to me, when I say life-changing moment uh, or experience, that's what really, it, it, it gave me this feeling that I, uh, had to tell it to other people, mm-hmm. and I didn't know how what that meant or how am I going to do it. Uh, all I wanted to do is at least share it like somewhere in the online world. I, I created a Medium uh, account and I just wrote a you know blog post in Medium uh, on my own on page. And uh, one thing to another, I think I was going through another workshop actually, uh, a kind of a self development workshop. Some of the folks there kind of pushed me to tell the story to other people. Um, and then it led, led me to start a, a small community uh, for people that have chronic illnesses, not just digestive diseases, but like anybody has kind of autoimmune. Uh, and then we wanted to gather these people. And then the approach would be kind of look at it holistically, right? So then uh, that uh, became a, a kind of a springboard for us to try uh, with a good friend of mine uh, to start a, a startup, basically, um, 
see if we can actually take it to uh, the business level. I mean, the caring side is that I, I, I love helping people and I didn't want to necessarily make money off of this at all. But what we wanted to try is can we build a marketplace for people that have chronic illnesses and can we connect them with integrative medicine uh, and functional medicine doctors? Just the way that I was able to f- get access to these doctors uh, in San Francisco, can we do this kind of in a scaled way, right? That was the hypothesis. Um, we ran that about two years um, and then the business size didn't really take off the way that we wanted to for us to be able to raise money and then mm-hmm. kind of scale it to nationwide, uh, even though we learned a lot, incredible amount of uh, experience that we gained. But uh, the community side was really uh, the success of the story. Uh, people really liked some of the uh, things that we shared in the community and also um, we did events together uh, where we talked about autoimmunity. We had our own doctors come up and then and then have a panel uh, online, offline. We've done a lot of collaboration, and that was a huge uh, kind of gratifying gratifying experience. Um, which then I'll, I'll wrap it up. I know it took it took a long one, but it's it, it all ties together in the end. Like the story of Crohn's mm-hmm. uh, led me to my current job and at Vivante Health, which is a a company that. Uh, does um, it's a digital therapeutic company that basically have an app and they do uh, also microbiome testing mm-hmm. uh, with the with the tests that uh, people go through. So before we jump completely into Vivanti Health, because I'm I absolutely love what you're doing with that, and I'm excited to talk about it. But I want to hear a little bit more about your story and go into some of the details of what you experienced to complete your healing journey and kind of get farther along. And then we're going to dive back into Vivanti Health and the community that you've got there. So let's rewind just a little bit and talk to me about, you mentioned some of the lifestyle techniques and maybe going into detail and talking about some of those things you did during the first six months that you were working with your naturopathic. So tell me a little bit about what it was like to start journaling. Maybe if there's some tips you have for reducing stress and some of those things that you learned that you might be able to share. Absolutely. Great question. Great. Uh, happy to share. Again, these are uh, what worked for me. Mm-hmm. These are my kind of uh, take on things. But overall, uh, it, it, you know, I, we, I had to approach it kind of a, a mindset that uh, I think called like the growth mindset. I, I've been hearing this lately a lot instead of being a fixed mindset that, okay, I have this. Uh, this is my capacity. I cannot do anything more. In- instead of that, can we think about growth mindset? And that whole experience was uh, kind of brought the growth mindset effort, which basically it is, is okay, how do we um, look at it holistically that helps uh, every kind of uh, segments of my approach viable? And then this was basically four pillars to be kind of be more specific. So, uh, pillar one was nutrition. And nutrition is, uh, again, it, it included a specific diet. Uh, at the hype of the, you know, Crohn's disease and inflammation, we had to do a, a specific uh, diet that basically I start with an elimination diet. So eliminate uh, dairy, gluten, sugar, um, and main triggers, probably even nightshades for me after doing a stool test, uh, that was kind of evident. Some of the bacteria was um, triggered by the nightshades uh, type of foods and and did very uh, kind of a clean and um, kind of soupy and broth-based diet, which um, 
which I, I was actually um, pretty open to because uh, I like the bone broth. I have done a lot of those mm-hmm. uh, as I was kind of trying to heal the uh, the gut. And um, and the, as we kind of progress in this elimination diet, which is basically uh, you do about a month on that diet. You avoid all these main trigger foods, like I said, gluten, dairy, um, um, and the sugar. And from that perspective, uh, you start to reintroduce some of the foods uh, later on. And then that's what I was doing and not being like sugar, I was trying to avoid at all times. And when I say sugar, there are certain things that turn into sugar, like uh, bread and pastas and rice. And so that try to avoid all that uh, from the get-go, right? Let's try to like clean the gut as soon as uh, possible, as cleanly as possible. And uh, from as far as, far as reintroducing things, um, so I could cut out some certain things for a month. Now, how can we rebuild um, the gut uh, flora, right? Gut lining. How do we kind of help that part? So there was a couple of efforts in that specific segment. I I had a lot of sauerkraut. I had a lot of kimchi. These are the um, the good probiotics that your body, um, your your bacteria will need, uh, and it will actually kind of help overall balance of the the microbiome. And I also had kefir, um, which is a dairy, but it's a fermented Mm -hmm. one. So it's actually part of the good stuff. And also homemade yogurt. I was making my own yogurt. So I had a lot of those. When I say a lot, I was just basically having maybe a spoon or two or forkful of the uh, sauerkraut. So it's very Mm -hmm. kind of a consistent, but like little amounts, right? So we don't want to over-inoculate the the body with that. Yeah, because those foods are potent. The home fermented foods, they have a lot of good bacteria that are just they're a lot more potent than what you'd probably get out of a a regular probiotic bottle so absolutely absolutely their survival rate is what i research is a lot more to a seventy. like Mm -hmm. the when as as it goes through your body um the live bacteria are a lot more um viable i guess in these um when you eat them uh in, in that form so the nutrition piece was basically yeah a lot of the um the bone broth was also kind of a part of this, uh, like I said. Uh, and as I kind of went through the month two, month three, uh, I did not reintroduce a lot of foods, but I was able to kind of get into the vegetables that are cooked. Uh, I was trying to make sure that the raw ones uh, may trigger uh, some discomfort. So I was trying to cook them. So I had a lot of cooked vegetables. As far as uh, the the um, the meat versus vegetables, kind of, uh, I did not necessarily have, uh, you know, tried tried you know all veggie or all kind of uh, meat type of stuff. What I generally believe, um, I guess, I was I grew up in the Mediterranean side of the the world. The Mediterranean diet is something um, big for me. I like that, and also I there's a lot of research on that that it's a kind of a balanced diet so you you have about maybe 70 percent vegetables and dishes that are uh, in you eat it seasonally and then you still have your chickens and and grass-fed beef and and you have your eggs so i do a lot of those in a in a um and use olive oil instead of uh, butter and things like that so that's i've been kind of a fan of that and i was doing that pretty much uh through my mom i wasn't cooking but that's what i was eating when i was growing up but then Probably I didn't do that when I was in college and living by myself in New York. So those are the times mm-hmm. probably going out of the whack. But kind of getting back to this uh, healing journey, I started doing that. I was trying to cook at home. 
uh, and then kind of follow through that. So, and is that pretty much pretty much what you follow now these days? Kind of that Mediterranean approach. Yeah, I do. Mm-hmm. I, I'm a big uh, believer in that one. Uh, again, it's not a, a kind of a diet that okay, I got to do this for two months. I got to like whatever my motivation is. Mm-hmm. Not that. It's, it's more of a lifestyle diet, right? Exactly. So I. I do enjoy uh, cooking it. It doesn't have to be restrictive. Personally, I don't believe a diet should be restrictive either way. Uh, you know, if you don't, um, if, if you think that there is something in there that it doesn't work with your body, absolutely don't eat that. There's no reason for, for to eat that. But uh, sometimes we don't know, of course. But a lot of times what I come across in the MAD diet, and this also ties to the, the, um, the anxiety and stress part, part of things as well, there's a lot of research that shows it reduces uh, depression. I'm sorry, the anxiety and, mm-hmm. and stress. And and from that perspective, you know, one of my other goals, which uh, I'll I'll talk second. Nutrition was the first pillar. Second is the kind of the stress and the mindset, right? Like, how do we cope up with this mentally? How do I not have you know we're all open here, like we have you know urgency to go to bathrooms and stuff. How do I kind of get ready in my own mind? try to limit that because you know it wasn't coincidence that i don't think like five minutes right before an important meeting i feel like i have to go to the bathroom so how do i uh kind of not necessarily eliminate that or hopefully eliminate it but i was going through the the um kind of the search why is that happening and how do i kind of make that part uh, a little bit more uh you know balanced like that so that i don't have to rush things maybe it's more kind of um balanced so uh, I did a lot of um, meditation, and I still do, and breathing exercises. And again, right before a meeting, uh, it's hard to do a meditation maybe, but I would do like a three to five minutes breathing exercise. This is just um, very simple, not your heavy breathing uh, style, but more like just kind of a deep breath and then just holding it for, for a second or two and then letting go doing that for like three or five seconds, minutes. And then it actually helps me when I join that call or a meeting, if I'm presenting or whatever, it, it actually calms things down for me and then it reduces the stress. So that helped a lot. Um, I know a lot of people that have uh, IBD, uh, they do go through a lot of stress in their lives. And, and again, I started talking about stress back in uh, being in the financial uh, district and the financial crisis. And I know it doesn't, doesn't work stressful. for me. So I, I, it is. Yeah, it's just, uh, so I got I to gotta eliminate that or at least reduce it as yeah. much as possible. Again, talking to the doctor, naturopathic doctor, she was saying that you should do a meditation and also journaling uh, helped me a lot. Specifically more on the, um, I was kind of being, uh, focusing on the, the gratefulness or the gr- gratitude side. Mm-hmm. I think it was big. Just appreciate what I have. Um, and uh, from family to like, you know, my wife and all, all that part was kind of helping me um, reduce that stress. So that was the second piece was also huge as much as the nutrition piece. The mindset uh, was incredible. Now, third pillar for me was something that I always wanted to do, but it was for that 10 years or even maybe nine years that I was going through was the, the movement, the exercise. Mm-hmm. I couldn't. I physically was debilitated. I played soccer all my life. Um and I couldn't anymore. It was just forget about soccer. I couldn't just go for a proper walk. So then how do I incorporate this? If I get a little bit better, can I start having some 
exercise in an in a ongoing basis. I know you're big on fitness, uh, Stephanie. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I was trying to do that myself. I'm like trying to go uh, at the very least small baby steps. Can we just yeah. go for a walk and then kind of maybe jog a little bit? And I was able to, uh, you know, in that six months, even afterwards, I was able to probably in a year, I was able to play soccer when I pick up games uh, here in the Bay Area. And it was just, um, and that felt like, all right, it reminded me of the days that I was not sick and when I was playing soccer and then also gave me confidence that I'm, I'm, I'm back. Mm -hmm. So uh, that was huge, like kind of a um, more of an emotional thing that like, okay, mentally, yes, I'm now physically also playing uh, a sport that I wanted to do. And that was, that was huge. Yeah. I mean, and last part, uh, I'll wrap it up. The, the things that also doctor said was um, big on is uh, the social part, the connectedness uh, with people and then being open, telling the stories, uh, and also uh, just not necessarily about Crohn's, but just being connected to people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm a kind of a social person in general, uh, but in that period, I was completely um, kind of closed off. I didn't want to tell anybody felt like the stigma and all these things. I'm glad a lot of people are now, uh, you know, more forward and more kind of open. I, I love that. I, I wish I was doing that in the beginning. But again, these are some things that I learned. But that fourth pillar, being uh, being able to open and tell these stories and then socializing with people, whatever that is. And I think it's huge uh, being able to cope up with Crohn's. We're going to take a quick break here and we'll be right back with the rest of our interview. Hey everyone, many of you know how much I love the Intestinal Fortitude Supplements. Ever since discovering these products when I interviewed the founder, creator, and Crohn's warrior, Will Jenkins, for this podcast, I've been using their probiotic, gut lining repair, and anti-inflammatory. These products were developed by a Crohn's warrior, specifically for those of us with IBD. And for me, they have become an important part of keeping my symptoms, including mucus and inflammation, at bay. I truly love these products, and now I'm excited to let you know that if you use code CFF10, that's CFF like Crohn's Fitness Food, you can receive 10% off your order. Visit Crohn'sFitnessFood.com forward slash IF. And if you want to hear more about the creator, Will Jenkins, be sure to listen to episode 11 of this podcast. And now back to the show. I love the, how the pillars kind of play off of each other, where once you're able to kind of control that stress and then you're able to start moving again, and once you're moving and doing the things that you used to be able to do, I mean, that's a stress reliever in and of itself. And then mm-hmm. just once you're feeling good and being able to socialize and get back out, and it really is, I don't think it can be understated how important it is to look at the whole self, just like what you're talking about and the way that your naturopathic doctor got you to do by going down this path. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been, it's been a, it's been a bless uh, to not only just having met her, also going through this journey of finding it, but and and like anything else in life, we once we have a little bit of confidence on achieving some of these things, and you want to do more, you want to kind of mm-hmm. uh, explore more, and I think that's just a natural reaction because I was I was uh, ready for it. I wanted to get better. I wanted to kind of um, 
do things for 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 myself and i was able to do it uh, luckily so and you went at that point you went completely off of the medications and just truly down the naturopathic path correct and that's what you've been doing since about 2015 16 mm -hmm. i i basically uh uh i stopped taking medication when that time um the beginning of 2015 when i started the naturopathic medicine uh, doctor the reason I stopped is because it wasn't working for me. There was no reason to take it, uh, and I, I just basically I just wanted to try see if this route works, and then it did. And uh, no medication ever since that day. I'm, I actually probably haven't taken any medication uh, ever since. And uh, what's what's also interesting in that is um, for people that have success with um let's say humira mm -hmm. and and definitely uh don't don't stop and if you want to do lifestyle changes continue mm -hmm. you can do them both i i, I would my recommendation will be to see if any of these lifestyle changes if you want to do um then if you start feeling better because um then then you can say okay maybe i can taper off you can take it less often those are obviously the, the people's choices but um I would I would recommend that doing it in conjunction. Uh, overall, I think uh, as a as a um, as a lifestyle, if you want to pursue uh, you know more optimal health and kind of longevity in your life, and those are the things that also I was as I was researching. This is not just trying to live a symptom free life, mm -hmm. which is good. Obviously, I need I'm I'm looking for that, but also. I was hoping that later on, like right now, I'm getting to that level. I'm hopefully like I'm pushing it to to the more optimal side. See if I can optimize my body, uh, doing all these four pillars in a kind of a balanced way. Now it's not the easiest thing. I just had a newborn, so it's like mm -hmm. you, your life kind of goes back and forth, like you know, a stressful time. But we are it, humans. <laughs> we're, we're humans. Yeah, you just have to kind of accept uh, and but understanding that i was trying to see how i can incorporate that to my weekly schedule how how i can have one of these pillars um kind of on an ongoing basis if i can it's not easy it may be very limited but you know if i'm <laughs> feeding my boy can i listen to podcasts that help me kind of understand a little bit more about these um, gut health for example right so those are some of the things i try to do and then uh yeah definitely uh, the approach will be this kind of a holistic approach definitely helps, I think, overall. I think that's great advice and just a great approach. And I love that you recommend, you know, if someone's listening and medication is helping them, you know, to stay on that. But don't be afraid to incorporate some of those lifestyle things that can help. Um, just mm -hmm. finding that stress reduction and just the, the mindfulness that will help in your everyday life. These are things that anybody and, and really everybody should uh, start incorporating it because they do make such a difference. Exactly. Totally agree. So was it that fourth pillar, the the social, the socialness and connectedness, was it that fourth pillar that kind of what prompted you to start that medium blog and then start that community? Take me back down that path now and tell me a little bit about that you're, story. You're absolutely right. You're spot on. Um, so part of the uh, effort on be more socially connected, uh, and and all I really wanted to do was be more open about it. And then if I come across somebody, if they ask me something, I'll tell. And then kind of instead of just you know closing the subject, 
but then, yes, that again, the workshop that I did for a for a month, it's an always an online workshop, and they were the team that I was assigned to. They were pushing me to kind of be more open in public, and then kind of posting posting things and publishing. And with that, uh, yes, I wanted to kind of get like a back and forth with people at one point, not necessarily through the Medium article, but like, can I tell other people and can we form that community? Um, and that's what we did. Uh, the company was called Sync. Uh, at the time, this was 2017. Um, we just wanted to help people. We shared uh, interesting articles. And then it was, uh, we're trying to create a trust between people that have kind of a um, chronic illness. And then can we uh, look at it from the lens of kind of a um, overall gut health and then just to reach uh, reach as many people as we can. And we did. We had about 10,000 people, I think, uh, overall. And again, the message that we want to convey was also, hey, there's this thing called integrative medicine, functional medicine. Uh, just kind of create more awareness about it because uh, still I don't think it's that prevalent across nation and there's more, more efforts right now. I'm hearing more people, more even doctors are taking that approach and regular MDs that went to the medical school, they are uh, trying the functional medicine certification. And so there, there's a lot of that effort, which is, which is huge. I love that. Um, but we were part of it was that we were also creating awareness about this this notion of mm-hmm. uh, r- root cause uh, analysis and then understanding what's happening in the body and then kind of starting things from the gut, uh, you know, all that stuff. So and uh, yeah, so I told you guys, I told you about the business side. No need to get in there, but the community piece was huge, Stephanie, because and I felt the the kind of a I don't I don't want to use the word calling, but I felt that I needed to do something that, and in my background work-wise, uh, I was in banking. That's what I studied. I studied economics and then I was in banking. And later on, I get into the tech world being in, being in San Francisco and being in the advertising space. So I was not doing anything related to healthcare, not at all, but this, um, kind of entrepreneurial journey, uh, started with this community. Uh, it was basically community led marketplace. Um, so that kind of inspired me to go to that route without letting my, letting go of my job, see if I can push this forward, see if we can, um, get things moving. But at the, at the bottom of everything, like the, the, I felt the calling that I need to help these people that have, um, similar conditions. And, uh, I, I, whatever, whatever way I can, I wanted to help them. And, and this was the, the best thing I could tell the story about and uh, talk about naturopathic medicine and, and help them help them kind of be aware of it. If they choose to, you know, see a doctor, we were able to provide it to them, um, you know, the, the different types of uh, doctors that we had in our platform. So, yeah, mm-hmm. so that was, that was, uh, that was the community piece that um, definitely ties to the fourth pillar. Absolutely right. And that's kind of so your community piece was with Sync in 2017, and is the community piece is that what has now evolved and what you've brought in, into Vivanti Health? Talk a little bit about that, like your transition, if Sync is still there, and then maybe what what Vivanti Health is and what that new community or or how much of it came over. Right. 
it basically indirectly happened that way. Mm-hmm. So I had a chance to meet uh, the CEO of Vivanta Health, uh, Kimon, and as I was kind of growing my own community at Sync, we came across, we were introduced by uh, a common friend. And then just um, what was interesting is uh, he, he really liked what I was doing in, in that space, kind of from building a community. He believed in that one. He believes in um, human, uh, human touch when you actually go for a, a, a change uh, or, or kind of uh, managing a condition. And uh, yeah, we we'll, can talk about Vivanta separately, but I think our community was able to attract uh, some interest uh, amongst Vivanta. Vivanta was formed in 2016. Um, so as I was kind of growing my community, that was something that we kind of exchange knowledge. Uh, and at the end of my time at Sync, I wanted to take some time off and then actually let go of my other job too. And I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do right around that time. Basically, this is uh, towards the end of last year. I had a chance to um, connect with uh, with Vivanta team, and yeah, I started basically um, to manage their community and build a, a community for them from the ground up, uh, mm-hmm. kind of directly with uh, people that are outside of of the um, the Vivante application. Can we actually talk about gut health in general? Can we talk about uh, creating more awareness about microbiome testing, which is a stool test that people do to get an, and analyze their um, the bacteria levels in their gut. And can we mm-hmm. do uh, offer them a personalized nutrition plan depending on uh, the results that we, we get from the gut microbiome test? So that was kind of a, a company that the reason I also wanted to join them was I believe they do close the loop as far as uh, doing a diagnosis and also recommending a personalized nutrition. For example, bone broth, I gave you the example of bone broth, it may not be necessarily good for everybody, right? So there are some things that I read, okay, well, great. So then perhaps certain food types, like some vegetables could be triggered for some people, even though it may seem like it's a good thing. So can a, um, a, a microbiome test-based results can lead to a personalized nutrition, that's what Vivante does. And then they uh, kind of handhold you through the care team uh, to help uh, people in that, the members of that group, they, they, uh, they handhold you to do a specific dietary plan. Uh, they check on you and they do uh, all kinds of analysis afterwards, even you've done the microbiome test and started a uh, nutritional plan. So it's a, and you do that all through an app, really interesting concept actually. So um and yeah, so my piece of the puzzle is, can I build a community for Vivante uh, utilizing the products that we have, um, but definitely being in the outside and just uh, try and reach out to people uh, and to build that community. And part of my goal mm-hmm. uh, personally to trying to keep this group as diverse as possible. Uh, I know you're, you're there too, Stephanie. I appreciate mm-hmm. you joining our community, which is fantastic because it gives us my goal is to bring diversity in thought and we have researchers we have um naturopathic doctors we have um we have caregivers we have patients 
we have uh, all kinds of backgrounds in this community and it's very small right now i'll be honest it's not it, we just started mm -hmm. literally end of december yeah, so say literally I, just started <laughs> yeah so i'm not i'm not gonna say like we we made it or anything like that but I, what i'm what i'm trying to convey is the vision that we have can this be um a place of comfort trust generosity mm -hmm. for people to share knowledge insights stories and experiences not necessarily advice, we don't want to advise uh, in our platform, but can we actually help others, right, in, in this medium uh, from the lens of a, a, a gut, uh, kind of gut first effort, right? Mm -hmm. and we have to obviously, um, and you're, the people don't have to necessarily have digestive issues. They're, your gut health could, could impact uh, anxiety, depression, we talked about that, and there's all kinds of other metabolic syndromes that are tied to gut, but um, at the moment, the company also is looking at the the uh, kind of digestive diseases as the, the kind of first point of uh, attack, if you will. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I'm super excited to be part of uh, their mission. It sort certainly aligns with my personal uh, mission as well. And um, and so far, yeah, I'm I'm pretty excited about building this community for them. Yeah, I got, I got to say, I'm super excited as well. Just you invited me to be a part of it, and so I've been a part of the community maybe a week or two now, and it's it's just wonderful. I love what you're building because I've mentioned it before on my podcast, but it's the stories and experiences of other people throughout my own personal IBD journey that I mm -hmm. truly believe has really gotten me to where I'm at today of just being able to read the insight or just the ideas and the things that other people have done, it really does give you a space to where you, you don't feel alone and you feel like there are a lot of options out there. So it's, it's so important to be able to have a place where you can share those stories and experiences. And that's why I absolutely love the community that you're building and just the diversity that you have in it as well. I appreciate it. No, I appreciate it. I, I second what exactly you said, and it helps a lot. And and probably I didn't touch as much. That helped also me uh, as I was going through that journey. Yes, online, I was able to actually go through some of the support groups to actually kind of sh share um, some of my experiences. And again, that's part of the, the you know, making it more, socially open about these things and then it, it, it helped me to hear other people's stories mm -hmm. and now we're trying to be more specific and more kind of uh share a lot of insights and um yeah hopefully we can we can make it even more diverse but there is a lot of interest so far uh people that are trying to come into the community and i had an amazing chat today actually so it's really exciting for me to kind of lead that effort but also it is about the group uh, it, ideally, it should be uh, a group that actually interacts themselves and kind mm -hmm. of po pose questions, and hopefully we get to those levels too. But at the uh, at the moment, uh, we're trying to kind of get it off the ground and you know have people to kind of introduce to each other and then kind of meet, uh, uh, feel that trust basically. So now, if someone is interested, if they're listening to this podcast and they want to be a part of the group, how is it that they can join or request to join? What's their process? Yes, great question. If they if they do want to join Vivante community, um, they can reach out to me. Probably the best way is through Twitter. Uh, I'm at rstoker at rstoker on Twitter, and then um, and happy to share the uh, the link. Uh, but 
for the record, the link is community.vivantahealth.com. And then you can see the, the landing page there with all the information about the community. If they choose to join, uh, they can request to join from, from that link. Again, it's community.vivantahealth.com. Perfect. I'll put the link in the show notes as well so that people Perfect. will have that available too. So is there anything else you want to share about Vivanti Health or maybe what's coming down in the future or anything more with the community mm -hmm. that you want to talk about? I think um, definitely uh, I can kind of tie those two questions that you asked. What, uh, what's really interesting about the microbiome testing, it's been, it's been pretty much around for the last 10 years or so. In the last five years, it was incredible. The sequencing efforts have been a lot uh, a lot more efficient and they're, they're getting into the even uh, the you know specific uh, genomic levels which quite exciting from somebody that uh, I've done stool tests as I was going through this journey in the very beginning and I was able to see the change in my own bacteria levels and mm -hmm. I think for a company that uh, our technology is pretty robust to be able to offer this to um, to, to Fox uh, to to to, uh, to get them understand what's happening in their body. I think it's fascinating. Now the future is, is super exciting, I think. And then what, what I'm looking forward to is, and there are ways to maybe um, improve the, the timing of these tests. And you know, it usually takes about, uh, you know, about four weeks to get the whole thing back as far as the analysis. Hopefully some of these numbers will go, um, will go down. But also the pricing of uh, some of these things that are consumer facing would would uh, would go down. And I mean, I was hearing uh, in another podcast I was listening to when it first came out, it took about ten thousand dollars to do one stool test, and now it's wow. yeah, it was coming down to around hundred and a couple hundred bucks. And now the Vivante one is specifically right now uh, is business to business uh, kind of a solution. In other words, like basically through the um, employers of your a company you'll be able to access this and if that employer is not offering yet we can reach out um reach out for uh for on behalf of you guys but at the same time what we're doing is uh, we're doing a very small group of people that um that want to take this microbiome test and if they do have an ibd diagnosis we can certainly um uh, get them that free test and then we can do the analysis for for them so that's something that we're putting together as we speak which is exciting but um yeah in general I'm, I'm super excited about the space i think overall in the lens of digital therapeutics using tools uh like apps to be able to kind of change people's uh, lifestyles and, and and manage their conditions and perhaps even reverse the conditions and that that's uh amazing to me and i'm i love when the technology mm -hmm. meets with human touch and then uh, I think the magic happens then. Uh, I'm, I'm part of that experience myself. Like what I experienced was that. Uh, and I love, um, I love to be the proponent of that. I tell that story to, to others through our community and other means, basically. I think it's wonderful. I love the, I love the combination of the technology and the human touch as well. And, and it's, you guys are, just in the, the space at the right time. I think there's so much ahead that's coming with the microbiome and just bringing all these different things together. It's, it's a pretty exciting time and, and pretty neat to, to be on this side of it and watching it uh, start to grow and, and really become something. 
Absolutely. I think one, one more thing I would add, uh, Stephanie, as you were saying, I, I thought about there is um, there are so many people that I'm, I'm interacting these days and they have uh, they have a disease running right now, let's say Crohn's or colitis, and um, mm-hmm. they are they, they are more open these days, I, I feel like, to, to look at other opportunities. Again, not necessarily giving mm-hmm. up something completely, going cold cut and then trying something new, but like, okay, this this lifestyle change, can this really work? And uh, does that make sense? Actually, that does make sense. And if you look at it from the holistic perspective, and, and people are realizing that, yes, it takes effort like anything else in life. You know, you got to put the work in. Uh, so I think uh, the feedback that I'm getting from the interactions that I had through Sync and even uh, Vivante recently, uh, it's been it's been uh, encouraging to see if we can scale it with the technology like we talked about, but the human touch mm-hmm. of, you know, actually hand-holding a little bit, kind of telling those stories caring for them uh, as they kind of embark on that journey i think that's going to be um super exciting i'm 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 kind of pumped about that yeah i definitely am too so people you mentioned your twitter and then we mentioned the joining the the vivanti community if people want to keep up with you and follow you a little bit more online are there any other places that you would recommend people go you know uh online i would i would say uh probably uh, medium will be another place I do post um, sometimes not that uh, often but uh, we can put that in the show notes probably I'll, I'll yep, send that to you separately mm-hmm. and uh, and yeah Twitter will be the best way as far as uh, interaction and kind of uh, if they want to send a tweet or, or a direct message they're welcome mm-hmm. to do that Perfect. I'll put all your links in the show notes there. And so we covered a lot today uh, just with your story and the the journey that you've been on and then talking about the new community and this new venture that uh, you're going on with this IBD and gut health community. So is there anything that I didn't ask that you did want to share with the community as we wrap up? I think uh, I think your questions were great. Uh, you made it more dialogue instead of just like you know you're asking me questions. I think I, mm-hmm. I like that part. Thanks for um, uh, the progression of those questions was great. I think, and uh, yeah, I mean overall uh, for anybody listening to this, um, I wanted to thank you, Stephanie, first of all for starting this. I know there's uh, quite a bit of people actually you interviewed as I looked at your website. I'm glad you're doing this and keep on doing it. And I'm glad you're part of our community as well. Uh, on top of that, I think uh, for the people that are listening again, um, if they're thinking about, oh, this guy's talking about these lifestyle changes. I know it's a lot of stuff. It might not work with my busy schedule. I got a crazy lifestyle. And, and don't think about uh, everything at once. And this is something that I learned. And think about everything in baby steps. And, and a lot of the um, behavior change, there's a lot of behavior science that uh, I was able to kind of come up and research about uh, changing behavior is very difficult, even though you may want to, but you, you somehow you feel the block or you have some kind of a, um, a challenge that will stops you from doing that. Whenever that happens, and you have to kind of think about the, the minimum viable way of doing it. The biggest, uh, the easiest analogy I always remember is if you want somebody to do a floss their uh, teeth, don't ask them to do all 32 teeth at once. You know, that's that's not going to happen. Well, it may, mm-hmm. but ask them to do one teeth in one week 
and as long mm-hmm. as as long as they do every day right so and then hopefully they they, they kind of add every every week that they go and and that's mm-hmm. the analogy and that hopefully it stays with some of the people but that's what helped me and i think uh even though we talked about these four pillars and then kind of tackling it from different angles uh you can only you can start with one you can just try a, a small version of it and or whatever works for you. It doesn't have to be those, but just uh, mm-hmm. bringing breaking it down to the minimum viable way that works for you, uh, it's the it's the best uh, thing I can recommend, and uh, and I hope everybody has um, success in their journey, and um, yeah, I'm I'm super grateful that you you invited me for your podcast. Thank you for that. Well, that is great advice, and I am very grateful to you for joining me on this podcast and for sharing your story. So thank you so much again, Aras. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Stephanie. I've dedicated most of my life to fitness and health, but as I've grown older and felt the effects of fatigue as I've battled Crohn's, I no longer want to spend hours in the gym every day, which is how I first stumbled across the Cellar Size Rebounder. It's become the backbone of my fitness routine these days, giving me the ability to tailor my workouts from gentle movement to intense jumping that literally activates every cell in the body. And the best part is, it only takes 10 minutes a day for an incredible workout. Find out for yourself what a difference cellar size can make in your health by visiting Crohn'sFitnessFood.com forward slash cellar size. Thank you for listening to the Crohn's Fitness Food Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you have an IBD story, either as a patient or a family member that you'd like to share as a guest on this podcast, or if you have a topic you'd like to hear about, send me an email at Crohn'sFitnessFood at gmail.com. If you'd like to learn more about me and my Crohn's journey, follow me on Instagram using at Crohn's Fitness Food, or visit my blog for in-depth articles about my struggles and victories with Crohn's through diet, fitness, and lifestyle at www.cronesfitnessfood.com. And finally, remember, be strong, be grateful, and be the warrior that you are.